Raiders, I'm Don Lego. It's time to buckle up once again for a new episode of Raise Nation, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities, building better tomorrows and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together, we'll dive into lively conversations and chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. All right, let's get going. This is a very special episode. Uh, Today, I have um, multiple guests from uh, the same organization. I'm super excited uh, to to welcome them. Um, I'm going to let them each introduce themselves, but we are speaking today um, to Milestones. Um, It's an autism awareness, which I like to say autism acceptance uh, organization. They impact Impact individuals um, on the autism spectrum, um, helping um, individuals um, achieve their maximum potential. We all in life want to be the best version of ourselves, and that should be it should transform transcend into the you know neurodiverse community um, as well. So we're recording this. Is why it's so special is that we are recording this in April, and this month it's. Um, Autism Awareness Month. And again, I don't know, I'd like to change that A word out to maybe acceptance or action because we should at this point be aware, but now it's time to um, be a little bit more embracing of a neurodiverse community. But let me stop there and have all of my guests introduce themselves. Um, How about we start with you, Alana? Hi, thank you for having us. I'm Ilana Hofferskopf. I'm the co-founder and executive director of Milestones Autism Resources. Very happy to be here. Thank you. How about you, Um, Crystal? Can we get to learn a little bit more about you? Hi, I'm Crystal Mellis. I am the training coordinator at Milestones. Well, thank you for being here. And last but certainly not least, um, Carly, it's so great to have you with us today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Carly Millis Jalowick. I am the education assistant at Milestones, which is just fancy term for conference assistant. We have a wonderful conference. Hopefully we'll get to talk about it a little bit this half hour. Um, and I'm also a, an autistic self-advocate. I received my diagnosis at age 30. So I have a lot to say about adult diagnosis uh, of autism. Well, we want to hear everything that you have to say, because um, I think in some states the, that when a diagnosis is coming that late, that puts you a little bit at a disadvantage um, to get some of the support that 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 you need and, and, and deserve. Did you have you found that that's the case? Um, I'm someone for sure. Definitely. Um, there's overall just a lack of, um, I mean, first off, a lack of information, definitely a lack of providers. Um, I'm someone that's fortunate in that. Um, I don't need uh, a ton of supports from external providers. Um, that being said, I think that's part of why adult diagnosis can happen so late is that a lot of times you're able to manage things yourself well enough that you don't need to turn to external supports. But there is definitely, you know, a, an absolute lack of providers, support, solutions, all that kind of stuff, um, since there's so much focus on uh, the childhood aspect of autism. But, you know, at some point, autistic children do grow up and they do need those supports. And- 
and, uh, you know, hopefully through a lot of the work that we do both at Milestones um, and just in greater communities, we can expand that to, to better represent the autistic adult population. Wow. Very love eloquently said thank you so much uh, for that alana why do you think that is why is there's you know what what happens after 21 or, and or with um adult diagnosis that it's just such a it feels like it drops off a cliff almost and um why why, why do we think that is i think that uh for autism it's something that is um, affects every person differently. And for those individuals where it's clear they need more support and you see that at a younger age, um, I think over time, uh, professionals and parents and the autistic individuals themselves have begun to recognize that they need some support or they need um, things done in a different way. They learn a little bit differently. And I, I think that Carly's really sharing um, what happens as an adult in general for autism, that as all of that support that was given to children somehow, even as our own kids, I, I'm a parent um, of an autistic adult, uh, all those supports that were helpful in childhood actually need to somewhat continue through adulthood. We all need different supports. We all develop for ourselves supports. I need my phone. I need my calendar. I need those reminders. Well, when I was five, I might've needed some reminders. At 50, I need some reminders. So I think that in general, for some reason, our our society hasn't recognized that our, our as we grow into adulthood, we need different types of supports. So often there is that drop off for those kids who have been supported, who have had those individual education plans. And then there's a cutoff from from high school. And so we all as a, as a community need to recognize those supports may need to continue. I think for adults who haven't received the diagnosis, um, Carly certainly could speak to this and, and personal experience, you know, you, you may have been struggling with things, but didn't have a name or a label for it. And I, I think it's very interesting to hear Carly, you talk about, you know, having a recognition and awareness. Oh, this is, this is why this is difficult and it's okay that I do it differently. Right. I mean, I'd love to hear you talk a bit about that, Carly. Yeah. Um, I, I think one of the things, um, so I'll, I'll just give a little brief, uh, sy synopsis of kind of a bit of my journey and, and my diagnosis. Um, so I've, I've always known that I was different and, and I've struggled with a lot of things that, um, were much more internal related. And I think that a lot of the reasons, um, to allude to what Alana said, you know, if you're a child and, um, you know, we see this a lot, especially in, in boys, young boys. And, and so that's also not only adult diagnosis in terms of, uh, being behind for diagnosing adults, but also females and people of color. Um, you know, if you look at, at a lot of the stereotypes of, of a young adult or young autistic boys, um, it's much more external behavior that you're aware of, whereas females, it's much more internalized. So a lot of my struggles were internal and they weren't bothering anyone else. So therefore, why would you get me support if you don't know that I'm struggling? And also if I am struggling with things that you might 
not understand or be familiar with, for instance, sensory issues, tags in my shirts or, or lines on my socks, and you can't relate or understand, those might be big things for me. I might bring them up as struggles and they might be dismissed because, you know, there's no understanding of that. But the point being, um, I've always struggled and I've always known I was different. I've been in therapy for 15 years. I have, uh, uh, you know, all sorts of different letters of diagnoses after my name, you know, um, OCD and depression and anxiety and all that good stuff. Um, but there was always this piece missing. And and for me, um, I ended up self-discovering that it was autism uh, after actually suspecting it in my dad. And um, interestingly, I reached out to Milestones um, before I ever worked there. Um, they have a wonderful help desk, wonderful services um, that they can, you know, and I reached out and I said, hey, I'm, I'm looking for somebody to recommend somebody that can diagnose adult females because the adult female presentation, female especially, um, can look very different. And um, they had literally one name for me, um, which is a testament to just, um, you know, the lack of providers and support that exists for recognizing adult autism. Um, and I, I'm very lucky, in fact, that I did receive my diagnosis. I, I am in support groups with plenty of other women who have just completely given up on that process entirely because they're dismissed as, oh, you have friends. Oh, you make eye contact. Oh, here's all these outdated things that, um, you know, we have not as providers learned to recognize are outdated. Um, and so um, I am extremely lucky that I was even able to get a diagnosis. And for me, it was this very cathartic, relieving, exciting uh, thing to, to finally have some context for the things that I struggled with for a long time. And, um, you know, Every autistic person deals with these things very differently, but I think that some of the universal experiences are definitely just relief and, and, you know, having this answer and having this context is just huge. Um, definitely some sadness and resentment and bittersweet of, you know, realizing that I lived 30 years without help and support that I might've been able to get had been caught early. Um, but I'm just super excited to see these sorts of conversations and transformations to be able to hopefully help girls that you know, are like me now getting the support that they need a lot earlier. So that's kind of a little bit of, of what I went through. Um, and also alludes to a lot of the problems we have with adult and female diagnoses. Yeah. Wow. That's very powerful because, you know, we, we celebrate, you know, autism awareness month, um, every year. <laughs> um, but autism is a 365 day, um, challenge. So it really should be, um, you know, I, I don't know, I think mindsets perhaps a little bit changing, you know, as far as our acceptance, you, know, you would think awareness would be behind us right now, but I'm listening to your story, Carly. And I'm like, wow, 30 years of maybe dismissing instead of awareness. And that really, really makes me sad because we've got the, we've got the day, you know, April 2nd, we've got the month, all of April and, and we know better. We know it's a 365 day, you know, challenge. So um, I'd like to think that we're progressing. Um, Alana, tell me a little bit more about milestones. Um, you know, I, I'm hearing Carly's story. I know you have um, a tool that you call MAP, um, Milestone Autism Planning. Um, would have loved if Carly had that when she was two instead of 30. Um, but how do you, you know, how are you different? What, what is different about milestones that helps um, individuals uh, with on the, on the spectrum, um, you know, just blossom to their fullest potential. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Thank you. I, I love this opportunity because um, I came to this as a parent. Um, my, my daughter was diagnosed before the age of two and she is 27. And so for me, um, it was at a time, it's interesting because to hear each barrier for people, I can appreciate that because at the time, um, people were not sure how to direct me in terms of education, in terms of resources, in terms of what is what are strategies to help her learn. I, I knew she was very bright. I knew she was great at problem solving, um, but she wasn't picking up language and and skills like our son, who was only 15 months older. And I needed a community. I needed a place for education. I needed a place for support as a parent. And I, I needed a, a place where I could explore and, and help uh, my daughter to reach her own significant milestones in life and to be her best self, as you described. And, and together with Mia Buckwald-Gellis, we co-founded Milestones for this purpose. We wanted a place, a community where people felt safe, where they could trust information. We wanted a place where people could call for guidance and um, receive the information that was coming from uh, social workers, from, from parents who had traveled the same pathway um, based on um, experience and evidence to show that these strategies were helpful and supportive for the families and for the autistic individuals. Um, and that's Milestones. Um, Milestones is here for every part of the community, whether you are an autistic person, whether you're an educator or a doctor, you're looking for resources or information. Um, and I think what is unique about Milestones, a couple of things. One is that we're a neutral space in the sense that we're not promoting a particular program for you. You come to us because we can connect you to the resources and our staff has done the legwork. We've done the research for you to find what's the best match for you. The other thing that's unique about Milestones um, is uh, a couple of things. One is that we're focused on people's potential. We recognize that everyone comes with their own skills and their own areas of challenge. That's neurotypical people, that's neurodiverse people. And so we see as a community that everyone has something to give and, and everyone has something where they need to have things given to them. So we're interdependent, that idea. Um, and, and over 20 years, we're now 20 years old. So over these 20 years, we ourselves have evolved. So by focusing, so you yourself are having a milestone. You're celebrating your 20th yes. anniversary. Okay. And so yes, if yes, you're celebrating exactly. your 20th anniversary and your daughter's 20s, now I don't proclaim to be good in math, but you, I guess you started this foundation around her seventh birthday or yeah, so. She was seven or eight. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah and, exactly. You know, and she was born exactly. probably 1995 ish. 94. Mm -hmm. 94. Okay. See, I wasn't good at math. Yeah. I knew that. Um, no, you're good. You're good. So, our, our first conference was in 2003. So this okay. year is our 20th conference. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, congratulations um, on that. I, um, you know, I find it interesting because, you know, we're not talking about, um, you know, things from, you know, the twenties or the thirties, the forties, you know, we're talking about recent, we're talking about people that are, you know, young and, and the future. And, and yet we're still trying to become accepting of a neurodiverse community. It's a little frustrating. I, I have to, I have to share. Um, so I don't know, maybe Krista or Carly, you can help me. Like we talk so much about diversity in, in, in 
in our world, right? But neurodiversity um, needs to get some, you know, momentum going here. Um, what's it going to take? Where are we with with accepting, you know, neurodiverse, you know, people standing next to us, to the right of us at a ball game, at a concert, in the mall? Like, when do when do we get there? Where are we? What's it going to take? You know, um, neurodiversity is still a relatively new concept. Like the term itself was coined in 1998 by uh, Judy Singer, um, a sociologist, an autistic sociologist from Australia. Um, so, you know, it's still a relatively new term, but it's gotten a lot of momentum in the past 20 years. Uh, but, you know, we, we know a lot about diversity related to race and sexuality and gender, but we still don't really think about diversity and right. disability or neurological diversity as much. So, so you know, we're still kind of growing our understanding of that. So, um, Alana, Carly, what... Carly, specifically, if you don't mind me putting you on the spot, what would you like to tell the community, the world, the to be a little bit more patient, kind, understanding, accepting of neurodiverse populations? What can we do to, to catapult that forward? Absolutely. Um, I think that um, one of the things that's important to recognize with neurodiversity is that it's always been there. And I think that um, what's nice is that with the advent of things like social media or with the advent of, you know, people like Ilana's child or, or people like myself uh, who um, were children and now have grown up and, and have abilities to speak on our experiences, we're starting to be able to have a voice in a way that we maybe didn't before. So I'd like to just say, first off, like neurodiversity has always been there, but it hasn't been recognized because a lot of the people that were experiencing neurodiversity either A, did not have a voice in the conversation or B, didn't recognize that the way that their brain worked was a matter of neurodiversity. So um, I think that it's important to to say that a lot of the concepts of neurodiversity are just, you know, Hey, I'm warrior a little bit different. My brain behaves a little bit differently and it's, you know, not, it's nothing that's uh, a negative. It's just a natural variant in, in human development. Um, and recognizing that different doesn't equal bad and that we need different kinds of supports. One of the things that I talk about a lot, um, is that for me, the things that might be easy for a neurotypical person are difficult. And the things that, um, are difficult for a neurotypical person are very easy for me. Um, I would, so let's, like let's all just, taxes. yeah, let's just all, <laughs> you know, rely on each other's strengths and, exactly. and build each other's, you know, for, for maybe their weaknesses, if I should exactly. use that term. And kind of live in harmony. Right. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, 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 you're fine. I think a lot of it is just, um, we're so used to thinking of humans in this sort of like monolithic way that all people behave and think and value the same kinds of things. And the more that we recognize not just the autistic experience, but, you know, in the uh, experience of different people in general, we can kind of see that it's a lot more varied and, you know, the things that are important to the neurotypical population that end up being a lot of our traditional traditional social views. You know, a lot of the things that shape our society were shaped by neurotypical people because they fill the, the majority, but that doesn't make them the correct way to do it. And so just honoring that different people's ways are important to them and that there's reasons that people 
behave or prefer or, you know, speak a certain way. And just instead of trying to change people to meet these standards that are arbitrary in and of themselves, we recognize that, you know, everybody has their way of doing things and it's not right or wrong. And I think one of the things Alana talked about with interdependence and that you alluded to Dawn of just, you know, some people are good at some things and not other things. And then we, we, you know, try to work with each other to support those things so that instead of trying to make me good at the things I'm not good at, let me do the things I am good at. You take over the things I'm not good at and we can work much better as a society than trying to make all of us good at the same things. Yeah. Because there's a lot of different ice cream flavors. Not everybody likes just vanilla, right? Um, Alana, how do you think we can get to a more uh, neurodiverse um, acceptance community? Um, What's it going to take? Because we do have the situation that um, there's a population um, of autistic individuals who are nonverbal and don't necessarily have their voice to share their experiences or to express, you know, what's going on, um, you know, um, and and might be catapulting their behaviors. Right. Um, You know, Carly is probably one of the best speakers I've ever heard. She's super eloquent and sharp and, and on the money, but not, you know, just it is a spectrum for a reason. So we do have so many that are nonverbal. How do we just get to a more accepting community? Anyone want to take that? I think, yeah, I think that um, it's important for us to have conversations like this, uh, which would not have occurred 20 years ago, frankly. Hmm. Um, I think that what's been happening for milestones, what's been happening across the autism community is um, expanding our table and having the people who are actually affected talk. So I don't want to talk too long because I don't want to be the one who's who's sharing the information. But one thing I want to say is for me as a parent, one of the most profound moments was at Milestones Conference, which is coming up in June, being in workshop settings, listening to keynotes who are autistic, who could share their own internal workings, as Carly referenced, that my daughter couldn't share with me. She can talk about things, but not in the same way that that Carly is and and hearing about some of the sensory issues that I didn't understand. And a lot of things began to make sense for me. So I think the more we can actually hear from people who are affected, the greater we're all going to learn. And and the fact that we all can recognize we all receive a variety of accommodations, neurotypical and neurodiverse. We are all receiving them. The question is, why do some people get more than others? And that's the question of the hour in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion. This is what we're all talking about. This is a another area of diversity, equity, inclusion. And as employers, as community members, as family members, we all should take a step back and just recognize whatever's for me is not for everybody else. And and I think that that's one of the greatest things that we can do as a community. And it's something that Milestones is committed to through the conference and through the tool you referred to, the Milestones uh, Autism Planning Tool. It's a place for people can learn information and hear about the variety of ways we can be supporting each other. 
One of the things that I wanted to allude to, um, especially in response to nonverbal autistic people, because I think it's super important to represent their experiences. And that's why I think things like social media can be really powerful because some people who are nonverbal are very good at writing their experiences down or sharing their experiences in different ways. And I feel that my privilege as a speaking autistic person is to also make sure that I highlight some of the things that I've seen from them. And it's not my job to speak for them because that's also not my place, but just being able able to use my platform and my my privilege of, of being someone who can talk to you and say, here are some concerns that I have seen from them because they can't speak. And, um, you know, and, and recognizing also trying to find them where they are, meet them where they are. And a lot of that is with social media or just these different social groups that that you can, you know, reach out to them at. So I think it's super important and not discussed enough these the feedback of nonverbal because there's this idea that um, you know, we equate um, the amount of verbal communication with like intellect. And it's it's such a sad connection that people have made because there are some brilliant, brilliant nonverbal autistic people out there, nonverbal any, they don't have to be autistic, um, that you miss out on because you assume that they're not competent because they can't talk to you. And it's just such a shame. So this idea of recognizing nonverbal autistic contributions is super important. And I think that's going to be some of the next steps that you see in trying to figure out how to honor them. And, um, but I also want to uh, give the floor to Christopher a bit too, because I know that she has some of her own unique experiences um, that differ from mine that I think really can can um, jump into this conversation as well. Yeah, um, I mean, so I'm also an autistic adult and I was diagnosed also as an adult, but younger than Carly, I was diagnosed when I was 20 years old. Um, so, you know, it was also an interesting process for me. I was you know, diagnosed before that with social anxiety and OCD and all these things before I finally got my autism diagnosis. Uh, but it wasn't for lack of stereotypical autistic traits because my mom always kind of noticed things about me uh, that I had trouble speaking, that I, you know, walked on my toes, didn't make eye contact. Um, I, you know, they gave me like a uh, like a developmental test when I was very little and they said I couldn't recognize facial expressions. Um, but I still didn't get diagnosed into adulthood because I was born a girl and the model of autism that we have is very much based on, you know, little boys. So, you know, as Carly was talking about, you know, awareness of how autism looks in different populations and especially in women is really important. Yeah, I think education is is really the key, you know, under, you know, to, un, to understand and to be more accepting. Um, you know, I, I love what you're saying, Carly, about social media and that being used as a positive. But if you don't have the understanding of what this community is experiencing and, you know, the challenges, the strengths, the weaknesses, then social media might be um the opposite of positive. So I want to talk about the conference and everything the conference is doing to educate people and to change those mindsets. But we're going to do that as soon as we come back from this uh, commercial break. You all going to stay with me? I hope I hope Alana, Kristen, Carly, you can all stay with me for a few. Absolutely. OK, we'll be back in a few. Hey there, fearless fundraisers. Do you want to raise more faster? We have the solution. Choose Now by One Cause helps you reserve risk-free auction packages that are carefully curated for your fundraising. Did you know that travel is the number one charity auction item? Choose Now Pack Later offers amazing one-of-a-kind VIP travel experiences. 
and Choose Now Glam Later provides you with stunning jewelry and more. Perfect for opportunity drawings or giving trees. Choose Now by One Cause. Be sure to check it out on the partner section of onecause.com. All right, welcome back to Raise Nation Radio. We've been talking with um, Carla and Christy and Alana from Milestones Autism Resources. And um, you know, we were just talking about, you know, being more accepting and um, understanding um, a neurodiverse mindset and um, education, right, for everyone. And I think that Milestones is doing a great job there, um, celebrating their 20th uh, year anniversary, their own personal milestone, but also their annual conference, which is coming up very soon. We're recording this in in April during Autism Awareness Month, um, but very shortly, April, May, two months, June, you have a um, an annual conference. It's been running for a good number of years, years now, 17 yeah, years. years. Yeah. It's tell a, us all yeah. about the conference. I want to 20 because, years. Yeah. 20, 20 years. years. Yeah. Um, so I, this is one of my favorite topics. I am essentially the conference assistant. So I assist the conference director in all of the, the nitty gritty preparations. And, um, I say this with entire honesty, it is a fantastic conference. And I'm not just saying that because I work at milestones. I mean, it is objective 20 years. You have to yes, be doing it's, something it's right. Really, yeah. Really excellent. Um, one of the unique things about the conference, and I think that's really cool is is that it is a conference for professionals that serve autistic people. It is a conference for the family members of autistic people, and it is a conference for autistic individuals themselves. And so it's really this convener of the entire autism community in a way that um, you don't see a lot. And um, it really honors all the different aspects of it. We have this year, we have um, like 80 sessions, I believe 120 speakers. We have some really, I mean, all sorts of topics from, um, I mean, I'm speaking on adult diagnosis. We have, you know, criminal justice concerns. We have you know, employment concerns, language things. I mean, we have some really, really great sessions. And what's cool is that the conference itself is live on June 15th and 16th, um, but you can access all the sessions on demand through uh, August 15th and you can get CEUs in 12 disciplines. We have a really fantastic keynote this year, Eric Garcia. Um, he's the author of the book, We're Not Broken, um, Changing the Autism Conversation. And we have four featured speakers as well. We have uh, Paula Kluth, Maria Davis-Pierre, Peter Gerhardt and Haley Moss. So we just have, you know, chock full of, of great information and great sessions. So I definitely encourage anyone, if you have even a remote connection or interest in any of it, definitely register milestones.org slash register. It is just a really fantastic conference. We've well, I'm so much really glad stuff. that we're recording this because that just sounded like a conference commercial if I've ever heard one. <laughs> I mean, you know, after working on it for months and months, you kind of get it down. <laughs> wow. Alana, anything to add there? Because, um, it, you know, you're doing a lot. I mean, I want to hear all about Milestone's impact on the communities, but not just the or the foundation that you're running, but also a conference. Those are almost two full-time jobs. Um, how do you do it all? I mean, how do you bring this all to the communities? Well, we have an amazing staff of um, 18 people currently on our staff. And we can't do it without our staff, with our partners as a nonprofit. We have an amazing board and uh, we have volunteers in the community and we have supporters and donors. And um, we're very grateful to be able to be on this program, especially because we are benefiting from one cause and we've worked with one cause for our annual bowling event, for our raffles at our, our uh, benefit 
And especially during COVID, we've turned to one cause and the RAISE conference has, was very inspiring for us. Um, and so we want to thank you. We're glad we're here because Aww. we can actually thank you for helping us. You know, COVID was tough. COVID sure was, was very difficult, yeah. very difficult. And being able to use the peer-to-peer -peer platform really helped increase our, our funding, which was critical, especially because we couldn't have in-person events. Yeah. It, so uh, I was, <laughs> I went through it with all of you. It was, it was a very um, daunting time for sure. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, we didn't always have all the answers, but by gosh, you know, right from our CEO, we were, we, we knew we had to fit, you know, just figure it out one way or the other, whatever that meant. So um, it was very nice of you, you know, to say that, but I mentioned running a foundation and a conference for, for that very reason, because we, you know, we have one cause the, the software company, but we also have the raise conference, which you were so kind to mention coming up in September. And I know those are tall, tall, tall efforts. Um, because I live and breathe them on the marketing team, you know, every day. So I appreciate everything that that you're doing. Tell us a little bit more um, about the conference. Where, where did it all start? Why? And and what are some of the stories that you can tell us from, you know, the, the outcomes and stories that you can tell us from the conference? Uh, the conference started from our need to be able to learn within a community. Um, we didn't have something like this in Northeast Ohio, and it Milestones Conference continues to be special in that way. It's grown to be a national conference. Uh, as, as Carly was mentioning, with uh, 80 sessions, there's something for everyone and 12 different uh, disciplines, professional disciplines that people can earn uh, their professional development from education mm. uh, to psychology. Uh, to adult providers. Um, there's something really for everyone to be able to take away from. Uh, I think what's also very exciting, as we mentioned, there are autistic speakers, there are parents, there are siblings, there are physicians, there are therapists. Um, everyone is coming to share their own personal experience and to help others learn from that personal experience. Uh, a couple of things that come to mind when you're asking about the impact. I remember a nurse at a, at a major hospital here in Cleveland coming to share with us that until she came to Milestone's workshops and conference, she didn't realize the potential available for her daughter. She didn't think about college oh, for her daughter. And I it just got the chills chill. when you said exactly. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, to me, that's the gift of Milestone's that you can come and learn from others. And I personally have come to be learning from others, from others other people who have older kids that I've seen what they're able to achieve or things that they're working on. And I could dream for it for my own daughter. And that's what we're hoping to do for the next generation. And um, another example for us was um, a mom who came with her autistic child, um, who was a, a young adult and came to the conference and was just so amazed with being in a supportive community, what her, her son was able to do, that he was able to go into the sessions, that he was able to go out to a quiet room if he needed to, that he was able to hear and find peers at the conference. So I, I think all of us are searching for that connection 
again, neurotypical and neurodiverse. And, and one can find that by coming to the milestones conference. Okay. I, okay. I, you've convinced me. How, <laughs> how, how are we registering for this conference? Uh, we'll just go to milestones.org uh, slash register, or, I mean, you could just go to milestones.org. We've got plenty of stuff on the conference on Carly, the, the directly. Milestones. Carly, you are such a pleasure. You're like, you're like a, um, uh, a, a bill of, um, a, an audio billboard of some sort. You are just a built-in commercial. It's so, it's I so try. Fun. I mean, I, like I said, I, I do it day in and day out. So it's, it's easy for me to kind of get in and tell people, I mean, it's a really great opportunity. And I yeah. think what's interesting is that, um, you know, to kind of tie it all together as someone who didn't receive her autism diagnosis until age 30, those first 30 years, people in my life, doctors that I saw, professionals that I saw, they didn't know they were serving an autistic person. And there's so much of our lives that we're interacting with autistic people that we don't even know it. They might not even know it. I mean, so this idea that, um, you know, the conference is really for so many people because there's so much about autism that even the most educated people don't know. And there's a lot of autistic people in your life that you might not know about. So that's what's super important about so much about autism, awareness, appreciation, all of that good stuff is recognizing that um, it's a it's a lot more prevalent than you might think, because there's people like me that are autistic that you'll have a conversation with and you'll never know. And recognizing and honoring those experiences is just is super important because it's, you know, where we're headed and, and recognize yeah, we should, differences. We really should just recognize and honor everyone, right? That's Regardless, exactly, that's race, religion, you know, that's gender, yeah. you yes. know, um, neurotypical, neurodivert, like, come on 100%. now, folks, let's just get it together. Yeah. So I love how, um, you know, I have a lot of um, a replacement words for awareness as well. Right. Like I think it should be autism acceptance month instead of awareness month or autism action month um, instead of um, awareness. But you you all have another word appreciation month. Um, what does that mean? Um, Krista, Alana, what, what does that mean to you? appreciation instead of awareness or action or some of the other words. So I'm going to partially quote another autistic person. It's actually from uh, a young autistic teenager who was part of a mentor network um, who said that awareness means, you know, he's there and acceptance means you're glad to see him. And when we think about appreciation, I kind of add on to that. Appreciation means that you're inviting autistic people to the table, that you're not only glad they're there, but you're also appreciating the input that they can have. Oh, you know, I think there's a mic drop right there. I mean, <laughs> I think every living, breathing person has something to bring to the table and we all need to listen and hear however they're communicating and appreciate those um, contributions. And you just said it best there, Krista. So I'm very proud of that statement. We all should take a moment to, to let that sink in. What do you think, Alana? That was eloquent. I agree. I yeah. agree. And I, I think that um, it moves it moves us along the continuum to recognize and appreciate everyone for who they are yeah, and what they bring to the table, but really just who they are. Yeah. 
That was very powerful. I really appreciate it. I can't believe it. We, we've actually just consumed 30 minutes just like that. But, you know, it's a um, important topic. And I think the more, you know, Alani said it best, you know, having conversations like this, having your conference, having, you know, milestones, you know, autism resources, having wonderful self-advocates like Krista and Carly to be able to help us and guide us, you know, in, in these journeys so that, uh, the neurotypical could, um, we could bridge the gap with the neurodiverse, I, I think is very powerful. So I truly appreciate you all, um, being on the show and just talking so candidly and from the heart, um, Carla and Krista, I really, um, commend you for your, your bravery and your courage and being authentic and candid and, and letting us into your world so that you, maybe we could be a little bit better. So, um, any last words of wisdom for the communities out there or anything further you want people to know? Um, I guess I'll just say real quick that, um, you know, uh, always, listen to the autistic voices. Um, there's a lot, you know, we have not been included in the conversation for most of the history of autism, sadly. And, um, we now can be, and there's a lot of time to make up for. Um, so the more that you can listen to autistic voices, the more that you can center autistic voices in your own organization and your own efforts, the better outcome you're going to get because, um, you know, the reality is, is that you don't know what it's like to be autistic unless you're autistic. And yeah. so the more that you can just honor those who experience it and, and elevate their voices or lack thereof, if they're nonverbal, um, the better that you are going to be able to connect with and, and, and highlight that community. Beautiful. A um, couple more words from you, Krista. Um, I think, you know, recognizing autistic adults and listening to them because we were all once autistic children. So you can still focus on the needs of children and make sure they grow up to have better experiences than maybe we did. Um, but adults, you know, we are we were all there once. So we have good advice and perspective to give. Thank you for that. And um, Alana, to you, congratulations on everything that you're doing at Milestone, Milestones, plural, um, Autism Resources, your conference and how you're bettering tomorrows and impacting the communities. Um, you know, just thank you so much because, you know, it's because of you that we're able to embrace and accept a neurodiverse, you know, population. It's because of people like you. So um, we applaud you and thank you for what you're doing every day. Anything more from you that we could that you want to share with the community? I just want to thank you so much for the opportunity, for the partnership and for uh, giving us an opportunity now to share and talk milestones is changing because of Carly and Krista and because of yeah, yeah. the expansion of our worldview to include neurodiversity. Uh, we're better for it. And I think by hearing the conversation, I'm hoping that people are learning as well. Um, we can only do the best we can with the information we have and by expanding the circle, we're gaining so much more information. So I, I want to thank you. Well, thank you. Really heartfelt thanks. 
Um, this has been a very enlightening and wonderful and inspiring conversation. But Fearless Fundraisers, that's about all we have time for today. Thank you for listening. Um, thank you for hearing the voice of Carly and Krista and, of course, um, Milestones Autism Resources. Um, we hope you enjoyed today's Raise Nation topic and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. Tune in for a new episode release every Thursday at 1230 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, that's Thursdays, 1230 p.m. Eastern Time. But in the meantime, be sure to listen to all the episodes on Raise Nation Radio. Follow the, your favorite channel. We're everywhere um, so that you can get the notifications about our new guests. Um, fundraisers, as you heard, are doing amazing things to build better tomorrows for our communities. Stories are just inspiring. You won't want to miss a single episode. I'd like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use software solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors. Be sure to check them out at onecause.com and visit the resource tab on the homepage for a broad catalog of eBooks, blogs, and infographics that you'll find very helpful. A huge shout out once again to Carly, Krista, Alana, and Milestones Autism Resources um, for sharing a very expert and authentic and educational voice. Uh, ladies, th thank you so much for being with us today. Happy to be a part thank of you. it. Thank you. Well, I enjoyed our conversation. It was heartwarming. Um, to all of our fearless fundraisers out there, thank you for what you do every day. Uh, but for now, it's a wrap. Until next time, I'm Don Lego, and this is Raise Nation Radio. Stay fearless out there. Oh, 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 oh,